from Hillsburg, California, and you're listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Welcome, everybody, to episode 40 of Hillbilly Horror Stories, and we'd like to start off by uh, wishing all of you mothers out there a happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Us mothers rock. Of course, this is Jerry, and I'm joined by the mother of the hour, Tracy. That's right. We rock. If there's one thing I can definitely say, she is definitely a mother. (laughs) (laughs) We have got a really good show for you guys tonight. Um, hopefully this is a subject that not a lot of people have heard about. Uh, we're going to talk about Mole Dyer, which is the um, witch from Maryland that um, most people will tell you that the Blair Witch Project was kind of based off of. Yeah, it's really an interesting story. And I don't know, I can just still see things in my mind after I've kind of watched the the show and stuff like that. So it's pretty interesting. So if you heard that, that's pretty shocking. Not that, uh, oh my not about God. the witch, but the fact that Tracy actually watched something that's about the show. Oh, <laughs> go me. In her defense, she did not do it on her own. She was kind of forced to because I was watching it and she just happened to be in the room. Oh, <laughs> it was good though. Seriously. <laughs> but we, uh, we've got that story for you. I've got a kind of a cool story. It's, it's not going to be a long story, but it's just something I found in the news, uh, that actually, uh, a buddy of mine, Missy Goodpastor sent me, but it's, uh, a story of a house up in Tacoma, Washington, that you're going to want to hear about because it's kind of a cool story. Then uh, we're going to talk to the guys, Sam and Jason, from Not Alone Podcast. And if you guys haven't heard this podcast yet, it's a very intelligently done podcast. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of shows like ours that um, just people come out and they babble or they talk about stuff, and I'm including our show in in with that. Their show, these guys are two college-educated guys that almost take a – philosophical approach to some of this and it's it's just a different twist than what most of the paranormal shows are and most of it some of it's paranormal some of it's not paranormal some of it's like you know this uh talking about king tut and uh, a few other things like that but i don't know you'll you'll hear them and what they're going to do is is they're going to talk about chupacabra for us because uh that is michelle rodriguez who you heard in the beginning that's one of her requests and i've been putting it off and putting it off because i'm just not that interested in chupacabra but (laughs) (laughs) they talked about it on their show and it was really laid out in a way that i thought was actually interesting so i thought well let's have them guys on and let's have them talk about it since jason is really fascinated by the subject and he knew a lot of details that were different than anything i'd ever heard i don't even know how you say that word el chupacabra Oh, see, I didn't even know here no L and before. I didn't say L the first time. Oh, but well, that's it for real. Well, that just means the. So, what's it mean? I mean, what does it say that word again? Chupacabra. Chupacabra. What? What? <laughs> oh my gosh! Say it again. Just say chalupa and be no, done with it. I gotta know how to say Chupa it. Chupacabra. Chupacabra. And I'm not even saying it right. I'm saying el chupacabra. Oh. I should, you know, but I, you I, know what I thought of when I heard King Tut. Steve Martin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, hey, and but. And so then the other thing, if you remember, we talked we talked about Rendlesham Forest uh, a couple of weeks ago, and one of the things we talked about but didn't get into big detail is how um, Captain Penston had written all the zeros and the ones down in his book, and and that was a binary code, and that actually a couple of years ago he was doing something for Ancient and Aliens, and uh, he gave them these codes, and they turned out to be locations on maps, and one of the locations 
is High Brazil. And High Brazil uh, is over off the coast of Ireland. It, it actually doesn't exist now. It's kind of like, an, an, uh, think of Atlantis. Everybody knows what Atlantis is, and that was kind of the same thing. But it was on maps, and uh, supposed to have been a, a group of people living there that were highly intelligent. And then it just disappeared. But some, some people swear that they see the island appear like right before their their eyes, and then it just disappears. Well, how does it just how well, does it disappear? Babe, I don't know. That's what I got it's these guys on the, the show. Ocean? I know nothing about this. This is the, that's what I, this is the kind of stuff that these guys talk about on the oh, show. So, well, that's but cool. it does tie into the Reynolds from Forest. So they're going to talk about those two subjects tonight: the uh, high Brazil and, and uh, El Chupacabra. Okay, so <laughs> pretty cool. That's going to be uh, the the main part of it. Now uh, we got a couple things to get out of the way right off the bat. First of all, thank you to all of our military and first responders, civil servants out there. Thank you. We love you guys. I tell a police officer, anybody in uniform, I see every time. Thank you for your service, and they really do appreciate hearing that. Yep, I agree. I agree. I, I'm I'm the same way. If I see somebody that's fireman or a police officer or in the military, I always thank them for the service. Even if I see somebody wearing one of the military or like the like the caps that just say veteran, Korean War, yes, something like absolutely. that. Absolutely. So. Okay, we released, it is now up and running, our Patreon page. Uh, that's a way of being able to donate the show. You can still, if you don't want to do that, that's fine. You can still donate the same old way. Uh, but if you want to be a Patreon, you get extra stuff for that. So what we've done is we've uh, we've got three tiers of Patreon. I'm not going to bore you with all the details. You can actually go to our website or our Facebook page. There's links to it. We've actually already had four people sign up. Woohoo! Thank and you all. Part of signing up is you get a shout out. So we're going to say uh, a big thank you to uh, Molly Frias, Molly, Jackie Getz, Jackie, Sarah Orozco, Sarah, and Heidi. That I screwed up your last name from Sweden before, but I think it was Monty. But you said it was pronounced kind of weird, and I can't remember what it was. But thank you anyway. Thank you, Heidi. We love you guys. Now, how this works is if you do want to be a a, a Patreon. Uh, it comes out every month. It's a monthly donation. There's four tiers right now. There's a dollar a month, five dollars. I'm sorry, three dollars. And there's a five dollar. And there's a ten dollar. And each one gets you a little more. The dollar gets you a shout out, and it gets you in a drawing to win a T-shirt every month. So we're going to draw for a T-shirt uh, starting in uh, June every month for uh, one of you guys, lucky guys out there, or gals. Then. Uh, you have the $3 donation, which gets you the same thing, but it also is going to get you a new bonus episode every month. Every month on the 1st, we are going to release a listener's stories show. That's going to be fun. Yeah. So we've already been in contact with some people that's going to be on the 1st and the 2nd show. It's going to be a minimum of 45 minutes. This isn't going to be just, you know, we're going to throw a 10-minute show together and throw it out there. This is going to be a fun show. You've heard some of the shows out there that, that interview guests about their stories, and that's kind of what it's going to be. We may even throw in some cool paranormal news or something um, that that's, you know, relevant. And just we're just going to have fun with it. It'll be a little different than what you're used to hearing, but at the same time, it'd be you know very similar. So what we're saying is, don't look at the uh, magazines at the end of the grocery <laughs> store. Yeah, don't look at Weekly Weird News aisle. about Fat Boy or yeah. Don't um, look because you'll you'll run our story. It won't be a surprise. <laughs> now, if you do the five dollar, you get that episode plus the T-shirt drawing and uh, and um, what else was it? Shout out. But you also get another bonus episode once a month, and we'll do that about two weeks later. Once a month, we're going to do almost the same type of show that we normally do. So you're going to get, instead of four shows a month, you'll get five of the regular and the listener's bonus. So the what our regular show, though, we've done some true crime stuff like, I don't know, I, I guess you could say the um, Lizzie Borden was a true crime. Uh, Dietloff Pass was kind of a true crime, more of an unexplained uh, you also had H.H. H. Holmes. That's technically a true crime. So we're going to take those shows and quit doing those during the regular shows. We're just going to do strictly paranormal. But we will start doing those shows uh, as an extra for you guys every month. So if you like the, those kind of shows, then you can jump in that. But we'll try to make some, you know, we'll do some like Jack the Ripper stuff and Spring Hill Jack. We need we'll, to do some more rock and roll stuff. Too. We'll probably throw some rock and roll in there. That'll be the extra. 
Um, well, you know, so we'll do some paranormal in that. It's not all going to be true crime, but we do want to keep the regular show strictly for paranormal. We use these for the extra. So that's what you get. Plus you get a 10% discount on any t-shirt that you buy. Not just one. If you buy 10 t-shirts, you get 10% discount on them. So that'll save you a couple of bucks on each one right there. So it doesn't take much to, to get your money back. The last tier is a $10 tier and you get all that we just mentioned, the 10% off T-shirts, you get the two extra shows. Then we also are going to throw in there, it's a basically a virtual meetup once a month for Tracy and I. So it's a 15-minute Skype session. It can be video, it can be audio, whichever you prefer. But we can talk about whatever you want. If you want to talk about the show or something we've talked about or your suggestions or just talk about your story uh, that you have, or if you just want to talk about, you know, cake recipes and stuff, whatever you want to do, that's what you get. So there's the four different tiers and you get something extra for each one of them. And it's just a little thanks for helping us, uh, every month. And that does come out the first of every month. So you can actually sign up now and no money comes out until the first. So you don't have to worry about your, your funds at the moment. We're just trying to get as many people on there before the first. So when we, re- we release this first episode, we got a bunch of people to listen to it. Sounds good to me. Now, we've got a couple other shout-outs. We've got a bunch of shout-outs, and, and it probably won't be this many every week, but i just got to get some of this out of the way. People who donated and uh, bought T-shirts last week, we've got Della, Paula Brooks, uh, Michelle Bowers. All of them bought T-shirts this, this week. Uh, Crystal Harris got her T-shirt. We've got iTunes reviews. Thank you guys for that because that definitely helps us, and you guys have, have really jumped out there to uh, – Give us the reviews when needed. And you guys have been so, so nice and very, I mean, just so nice. And we really appreciate that. And by the way, when you do when you do these iTunes reviews, if you'll actually put your name on it, even if it's just a first name, because some of these iTunes handles are kind of crazy and I don't know who they are, uh, but that's the only thing I've got to go about. Like uh, the first one was Crystal from Knoxville. I know who that is because it's Crystal from Knoxville. It goes without saying. But the second one was Flower Mama 4. She actually updated. She, I think, was a four-star review before, and she upped it to five stars. Oh, thank you, darling. And then we've got MD102. have no clue who that is. Then he's, we got, a, he's a doctor. Do you not get it? <laughs> maybe, maybe so. <laughs> and then we got Chelsea Anaya. We know who Tracy or Chelsea is. Uh, Great Goat XXLK. I'm not even going to gather a guess. I don't know, but that sounds pretty interesting. I, I'd like to know more about that. <laughs> we got Greg C. in Fresno. Old School Skater. Nice. Callie King. Dirt Omar, 42. <clears throat> Treco, 318. Then we got Mike Bingle. I think I know who he is because he's Mike, Mike Bingle. Bingle. <laughs> Could be Bingel. Bingel. And then we got Serendipity, 72. So that I takes, love it. takes care of all the shout outs. We greatly appreciate it, guys. Let's get on with the show. Of course, we played Witchy Woman by the Eagles. That's uh, ooh, ooh, Witchy Woman. Hey, you know what? I don't. Well, it's on. Well, we were talking earlier about um, some other songs that would have went perfect <laughs> for this episode, but we'll go on with the with, yeah, <laughs> with the story. Won't, they won't get it yet. I know, so that's why I'm not saying nothing. But we had so many songs that were, would relate to this so so much. So, but yeah, when we get finished with the story. We'll <clears> tell you some of the other songs yeah. we're going to do. But obviously, uh, Mold Dyer is a witch. And that's why we chose Witchy Woman, ultimately. Yeah. So let's get into it. You know, we like to give you guys a little bit of background. And like we told you, she she actually was the plot uh, for the Blair Witch. Not 100%, you know, the movie was based on, but just the fact of the witch in the woods, more or less, mm-hmm. uh, was the whole thing. But this took place in Leonardtown, Maryland. Ricky would be glad we're doing this one since he's from Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leonardtown was a very fertile as far as the land it was a very fertile place it's surrounded by water uh, and back in 1630s is when um, the colonists kind of started migrating to Leonardtown. Uh, tobacco was their big cash crop that's how they made their money back then the weather wise in uh, Leonardtown, it's typically a little cooler in the summer because there is so much water the winters are fairly mild they get snow once maybe twice a year but in 1697 the winter was actually brutal. Uh, there was something that came through that they call a um, a light ice age, wow. which basically meant that it just, for some reason, everything was colder for a period of time. So like every winter was not like that. No, every was, winter was not okay. like that. <clears throat> but in 1697, it was horrible. Temperatures were bottoming out in the single digits. Uh, wind, t- wind chill would have been below zero. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, so that's, you know, way normally it would have been in the 20s, worst case. Uh-huh. And this was, you know, it was, you know, you got all, you had blizzard conditions, you got all these super strong winds, much more snow, snow than they would normally have. And, you know, in these days, there was no meteorologist. So if there was. So Mother Nature was tripping. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mother Nature was tripping, but also people didn't have any way of knowing. Of knowing what was coming. Of what was going. Way, and, yeah. they, and they didn't know why it was so bad. Mm-hmm. So being back in the 1600s, people always had to have. A reason, reason to blame it on up. something. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously their reason was the town was cursed. And the winter was so bad that food was scarce. Lots of people died. Aww. And that just made it even worse. Uh, Mole Dyer was an old woman, a very ugly woman, I will point out. It, it, it was it was very, It was was very. listed in several occasions that she was, like, hideous. Well, she can't help that. Well, no, but that's 1600s. You're hideous. You live out in the woods by yourself, you know. But she was a very eccentric woman. Like I said, she lived out on her own in the woods. Uh, the townspeople decided that she was a witch and she was behind the curse. Even though they knew nothing about a curse, <laughs> they just assumed there was a curse and she had to be behind it. Uh, her actions didn't really help anything because as far as image-wise, people knew that she was out on her own. This winter was horrible and where people had huge families kind of helping each other just survive. Mm-hmm. She was just all by herself, but yet she didn't seem to be struggling at all, where everybody else was struggling. Well, I mean, she's by herself. Well, right, but I mean, how's this old woman able to just make ends meet and get her, get all the the food and everything together she needed in the worst winter that anybody's ever seen? Well, you know, they're just saying. Just how you look at it. Right. What she used to do is, is, and this wouldn't real uh, met with real friendly uh, uh, reason either with the people, is she used to gather all kinds of herbs and stuff when it would be warm outside. She'd gather herbs and, and stuff like that because she was good, at, like a medicine woman. She was yeah. good at making remedies and stuff. So she would sell these herbs that she would gather in these sticks and make little remedy baskets, and she would trade them to the Indians for pelts and stuff like that. So oh, that was cuz I was going to say okay, she's good enough for the medicine for the people, but then the tables turn. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say she was good enough for the people because she actually would people would feel forced to buy the stuff from her cuz they thought if they didn't buy it they, she would curse them. <laughs> oh so my it, gosh. so it's almost like she's, she's just like wins. she's like here's some sticks, uh, give me some money or yeah. suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. The townspeople were afraid of her, but they dealt with her for years. I mean, she lived there like seven, eight years mm-hmm. of them crossing paths. And it's just like, you know, when people would see her, they just would kind of avoid her and talk about her, but they wouldn't have any contact with her. So the weather got so bad in 1697, it was actually listed in the Maryland Council meeting logs as the longest winter in history. Oh my it was goodness. enough where they felt the need. It was so cold that... that all the crops and died. So th- mm-hmm. and then they had uh, a lot of the livestock died. Mm-hmm. So these people were, that's why they were starving. Yeah. They said the, the rivers would actually freeze as they, you, you could watch the rivers freeze. It was so cold. You know, obviously it's not going to stop flowing like froze solid, but they're just, you know, it was frozen at a, around, the, you know, the sides of it and stuff uh-huh. like that where it really narrowed the, the, the ways. Now, Maul Dyer, obviously, She's like we said, she's surviving one of the harshest winters, and that just had people talking with the colonies um, trying to gather their their wits about them and trying to, to make some sense of this winter. They also got hit with this huge I won't say a plague, it was more of an outbreak of uh, influenza, but it basically a lot of people started dying from it. So you had people starving to death. Now oh, you got man. this illness where everybody's dying. That's terrible. And somebody had to be to blame, and it had to be witchcraft. So they decided they were going to do something with, with Muldire. Now, keep in mind, during this time, witchcraft was punishable by death. It, it was against the law, and it was yeah. punishable by death. And on the coldest night of the year, the townspeople, they became judge and jury. Torches in hand, they went to Muldire's house. They set the house on fire. It was completely engulfed in flames. Uh temperature was right around zero degrees that night uh no t- probably 10 10 below zero with the wind chill factor somehow or another Moldire gets out of the house they don't see her 
but she's out. She kind of retreats back to the woods. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure she had to see him coming Well, with all I mean, the flames. Yeah, so, I mean, but she, the, the story says that she kind of went to the edge of the woods to where she could hear the animals and stuff screaming from being burned alive oh, that she had in the house. Oh, don't tell me that. And, like I said, the guys didn't hear her. And then some people say, well, how did she get out? They set the house on fire and all that stuff. But some people say um, that Satan in, in kind of enveloped her. Is it enveloped? Enveloped? Because I, I always say, I don't like people to say, hand me an envelope so I can send this letter. What, I, what do you say? Envelope. It's not an envelope. It's not an envelope. It's an envelope. Oh. But in this case, I think it's better to say enveloped her into the smoke and mm-hmm. kind of set her down into the woods. That's what the story is. Yeah. I don't know if Satan's really into that business or not, or if that's, but <laughs> who knows? So she's on the edge of that. Now keep in mind with the weather as bad as it is, she's got nothing but the clothes on her back. She's, she's not prepared to be out there in, in sub zero temperature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's like just roaming, roaming through the woods. Well, the rumor is, is as she's strolling through the woods, she's basically cursing the town, knowing that she probably doesn't have long to live. She's cursing the town. Now, I think the people that burnt down the townspeople, they thought that she died in the fire. Yeah. They weren't really sure. But what happened was several days later, uh, this younger younger guy, uh, probably a teenager, I think, was roaming through the woods. He was trying to round up some cattle that had gotten out. Mm-hmm. And he comes across her body. Now, you need to kind of picture this. She was frozen solid. She was down on her knees. One of her knees was touching this big rock. Mm-hmm. Think, of, think of boulder. Boulder. Mm-hmm. One of her knees was touching the rock. Her left hand was on the rock, and her right hand was raised towards the heavens. Oh, yeah. As if she was yeah, like cursing. Curse you. Yeah. You mofos. <laughs> and I'm sure that's exactly how it went in 1697. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the mofos. <laughs> Curse thou mofo. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's how they found her. Oh, my gosh. So she was literally frozen solid with her hand straight up in the air. Yep, right hand in the air, left hand on the rock. Yes, and like her fingerprints were in the rock. Yes, thanks for spoiling that part of the story, but uh, oh, since I hadn't mentioned that yet. so I told you I watched the show. Let's go back and pretend... Uh, Y'all didn't hear that. Yeah, let's go back and pretend you didn't hear that. When they pulled her off of the rock, her fingerprints from her left hand were imprinted into the boulder. Not like fingerprints on there like embedded like deep mm-hmm. you know each finger had its little own little crevice into the rock so how i cool wasn't that, that far ahead of the story uh but it didn't matter you said it and we hadn't talked about it yet so oh. you said it as matter of fact like we already talked about it Ew. You, you can't watch any of the stuff anymore see that's what i'm saying that's why i can't watch this stuff anymore they buried her uh in freezing rain um a dreary day, but they buried her, and they buried her extra deep, about a mile from town. And that's where she supposedly still is. Now, as far as um, the rock, we're going to get into that a little later. Did they bury her in a box, or did they just put her body down in the ground? I don't know. Well, if you think about that. Well, I don't think it say, really matters. They have to snap her arm off if they put her in a box. They could have thawed her out. Oh, that's true. Nobody said they just took her straight over there. No, that's true. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Sorry. Wait. Sorry. I was just thinking about that. I mean. I'm just thinking about I'm actually digging a hole that's shaped like <laughs> instead of just a big <laughs> just hole. kind of dropped her down in it. <laughs> Look like one of those Operation pizzas, pizzas or something. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. So, anyways, she's buried, and they think everything is completely done as far as they're concerned. There's a funny thing, though, all these, you know, these things started happening. They they had all these different incidents started happening from that point on. And what she did was they, they said the curse that she put on the town was basically for them to have horrible crops forever and for any of the families that lived in that town to 
just be no luck whatsoever. Everything was just bad luck in their life. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it was designed to be. And and the little town, I mean, it's a, it looks like a quaint little town. And everybody in that town knows the legend of Moldire. They have they have Moldire Road, which is right there on her property, mm-hmm. or what was her property. They have uh, Moldire Creek, which is named after her, and that's supposed to be the area where she came running. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, okay. as she was running away, mm-hmm. that creek was along that lake, which is why they named it Moldire Creek. Okay. There have been a, a bunch of strange things happen. Uh, on or near the property since all this happened, but especially like Kathy Lastly, who owns the property now that would have been uh, Moldire's property back in 1697 when she died. She says that there are all kinds of crazy things that happen on the property. She sees things walking along the creek bed, uh, which was, like I said, the the creek that uh, she would have went down. Uh, They see a lady walking around in like white cloaks, white dress Mm -hmm. with with the bonnet and long gray hair. There's also sightings out on the road in front of the property and also been several bad wrecks. She tells a story of one time where a guy, a young guy comes, knocks on the door. He says, hey, you got to come help. There's been a wreck. Her and her husband run out there. The car's upside down. The guy's hanging uh, upside down in his car. His seatbelt won't come loose and he's attached. The car's leaking gasoline. They're, you know, they're scared to death. They're not going to get the guy out there. think the car is going to explode. Uh, eventually EMS gets there, emergency medical services, the ambulance, and they get out there and they cut the guy loose from the seatbelt and end up saving him. But she says that's just one of several bad wrecks that happened right there on that property. Yeah, I'm sure there is a bunch of stuff that go on. Um, so I guess that lady knew that the story before she bought the house. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. she, she knew. It just Most people just... They don't look at it as being a real situation until yeah. they're confronted by it. Now you got Karen Karen Stouffer, her and, and three friends are driving around. This is about thirty five years ago. Now this is the story, one of the stories that really kind of blends into the Blair Witch type philosophy. Karen Stouffer and her and her three friends are driving. They decide they're going to pull over and walk through the woods. Now her friends say, "Hey, don't do that. This is the Moldire Woods. That's what they call it, the Moldire Woods." And she's like, "Well, just you know, you're a bunch of chicken shits. Let's just do it." They go walking through the woods, and she said the whole time they were there, it's almost like somebody was watching you, like yeah. somebody was just kind of following you. She said when they got kind of to the middle of the woods, these winds. This was a beautiful day, you know, when they started walking. And these winds just kicked up out of nowhere, about 20-mile-an-hour winds. That's pretty strong. Dang, yeah. Then all of a sudden, there was this random lightning. Then there was thunder. And it got so bad, they just turned around, and they ran back to the back to the road. Yeah. And it, the whole time, they felt like something was chasing them. They get to the road, and once they got to the road and out of the, wind, or out of the uh, woods, everything stopped. No more lightning, no more thunder, beautiful day. Oh, my gosh. No wind. That's creepy. So all that happened just as they were back there. So I bet it scared that woman. Now she didn't, I wonder if she ever went back in there. Well, no. She said she's never been anywhere close to. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't be either. Gosh, she's crazy. I never would have went in there. Now, we said that we were going to talk a little more about the rock. This rock where she was there was missing for years and years and years. It just nobody knew where it was. I mean, it was in the ground still, but that's that's just where it was, and nobody could actually say this is where the rock was. Mm-hmm. Well, this this guy decided he wanted to find out where this rock was. He came to town. He starts talking to people. He finds this really old guy that says, I remember seeing that rock when I was a boy. Mm-hmm. They go track it down. It's actually in the creek bed. Oh. Kind of implanted. In, in now, there's a couple of different times to where people tried to – get that rock up and there was always a major problem happened to where they couldn't get it up yeah problems with equipment problems with this thing weighs about almost 800 or almost 900 pounds yeah but there was always some major problem that happened with equipment or something to where when they were trying to dig this rock up well eventually in the 70s they dug it up the the handprint still there and the and where she had her knee it's still there that's so cool so now it's actually outside of the uh um courthouse there in town. Mm-hmm. And there's a story about a, a young lady by the name of Lynn uh, Bonvery. It's almost like Bon Virage. Yeah. So anyway, she there's a story about her and her husband are walking through town. She's walked by there plenty of times. She's walked past a rock, and they were at the Historical Society, which she'd like to go to. 
they decided they were just going to walk around town. They walked by the courthouse, and she decided that she was going to touch the rock. Now, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, they say that, you know, just getting near it could be a problem, but touching it is a no-no. Yeah. Um, she goes, she sees the handprints, she puts her hands into the handprints, and at that time, she said she felt nothing. She was yeah. fine. You know, she was kind of laughing it off. She got up to start to walk away. Within 30 seconds of her walking away, she started coughing violently. She couldn't catch her breath. She said if she felt like her lungs were burning. Oh. She starts coughing up blood. Oh, my God. Um, said she felt extremely weird. She was woozy. And they, they were trying to debate whether to go to the, the doctor or the um, hospital, something like that. And they decided against it. And she said about 45 minutes later, she, fi- she felt fine. Mm-hmm. But she's convinced that there's some kind of negative energy with that rock yeah. for that problem. See? People leave stuff alone. And then the, the last little bit um, is basically people claim that on the coldest night of the year that you can see her out walking the streets. Oh, because she obviously died on the coldest night of, of that the winter. Year, yeah, that's just, I don't know. It's almost like a sad story. It is a sad story because who knows if she was a witch or not a witch, yeah. but she definitely was treated as an outcast just because she was basically an outcast. Yeah. I mean, she, she was just somebody that just chose to do things her own way for all intent and purposes. I never read anything where she actually bothered anybody. Yeah. You know, but. Um, so the lesson is. Don't judge people. Dang it. Yeah. You know what they say. You can't judge a book by its cover. That is so true. Well, unless it's a, book. a, a girl oh. <laughs> sucking a guy's wanger, then Suck it's porn. Jerry. Uh, I'm just saying. Jerry. You can judge that. No. That, you, yes. Sorry. So sorry, listeners. Let's talk about some of the songs we were ch- going to choose. Oh, yeah. So I came <laughs> up with one was Cold as Ice. <laughs> Very disrespectful, by the way. Uh, it is? Well, yeah. Oh, and um, what else was it? Stiff upper lip. Oh, yeah. St- <laughs> Stiff upper lip. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Uh, what was, there, was there one more or was there just the two? No, there was a couple of them. Ninja. Yeah. No. Well, Ninja's trying to tell you that uh, the one you were missing is, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. <laughs> you couldn't come up with it, could you? <laughs> come here, Ninja. Come on. No, no. But that's the story. So um, I want to read you, uh, talk to you about this other little story I, I kind of teased in the beginning of the show about the uh, a house up in Tacoma, Washington. Well, here's the funny thing about this house. There was an, kind of a famous serial killer most of you have heard of by the name of Ted Bundy. Not Al Bundy. Yeah. Oh, gee, Peg, I just want to kill some people. That's my... <laughs> that's <laughs> that my, was pretty good. That's my Al Bundy. That was pretty good. Ninja apparently disagrees. It's my my favorite uh, my favorite part of uh, the old Al Bundy colloquialisms. I love all the Al Bundy stuff. <laughs> but I remember one time on the show, there was a peeper, the peeping Tom, that was looking through the, all the windows. Uh-huh. And then Marcy came over to the house, and uh, she says, "Hey, the guy just peeped me." And then Peg was all upset because nobody had peeped her. <laughs> and she said, "She said, Al." She said, nobody wants to peep me. Hug me. And he said, oh, nobody wants to hug you either, Peg. Oh, poor Peg. <laughs> that was so funny. Her hair anyway. had it going on, though, yeah, I well, say. I'm sure you would think so. <laughs> uh, 1980s called. They both want your hair back. Oh. All right. So let's talk, let's talk about this story. So Ted Bundy, his, his childhood home up in Tacoma, Washington, it was for sale. A guy bought it. He was going to flip it. So he gets some contractors to come into it. And I'm going to read you a little bit about what went on. But Casey Clopton, he had his contracting company called Extreme Contracting. They were hired in September this past year to come do the home. So he says he noticed red flags right off the bat. The second time he went to the house, he had his 11-year-old daughter. She was trying to go upstairs, and she started crying and saying she didn't like it. She just it, she didn't feel well. And he chalked it up to, you know, a little kid just being scared of the dark, you know, what have you. And then he said that while they were there, you started hearing phantom footsteps, people jiggling doorknobs. And that actually went on for months Mm because it took them took them a long time to do this. He said that after all the the doorknobs and stuff like that, they were already thinking stuff was weird. But then one of the workers, he claimed that somebody knocked on the door. He went out there and opened it. There was nobody there. 
Then he said that some mornings they would come in and several drawers and cabinets were opened up, but they had, they had an alarm on the place and the alarm was never set off. All the exterior doors and stuff were still locked, but all the stuff was moved on the inside. Oh. The biggest thing was that there was a dresser. Now, this dresser apparently was built into the wall. You know, oh, it's like, it was cool. like kind of like a hole, a hole had been in the wall and a dresser pushed underneath of it. Yeah. And one day it had fell. Apparently, it had, it had, and he said this thing took like two people to do it. How does it fall out of the wall? Well, that's what he's saying. It was completely tipped over, and not only that, it was moved across the hall a little bit and on its face. So there's no possible way that this thing should have not only fell, but it was like it fell and then moved down the hall a little bit. Oh, man, that's creepy. He said, I couldn't figure it out. We thought someone might be pranking him So uh, with these all these different incidents. So even the real estate broker guy named james pitts he said that he even had a spooky moment when he was there he was trying to record a facebook live video down in the basement i guess to try to show people Mm -hmm. the property he said his phone kept resetting itself uh and it kept doing it kept doing and eventually it just shut completely off he said it just completely crashed while he was down there wow he now clopton the guy who runs the uh, um crew for trying to fix the place up he said that they experienced over 30 different incidents while they were there. And that's here's some of the creepy shit, though. They found two notes in the house. One of them was up in a bedroom. It was it, it said, leave, written in sawdust. Because there was, like, sawdust <laughs> on the floor. And it said, leave, written in sawdust. Then they went. They was down in the basement. And on the inside of a window, you know how windows get dirty, especially when you're mm-hmm. doing work and stuff. Down in the basement on the inside of the window... It said, Clean help me. me. <laughs> it was oh. close. It said, help me, written in, the, written in the dirt. Oh, my Lord. So what they decided to do, they started writing, like, Bible verses on the walls. I guess they were going to paint over them eventually. But they started writing Bible verses on the walls. They brought in a pastor from a, a, a local church. He did a walkthrough reading Bible verses. He tried to clear any negative spirits. And then um, Clopton, the, the guy who ran the, the, the team, he instituted a rule that Christian music had to be played at all times inside. He said when you came in, you could turn it down or you could turn it up, but you couldn't turn it off. Oh, wow. And he said after that, everything kind of calmed down. So it took four months longer than they thought it was going to, and eventually they finished up in April. So they just got through with this thing last month. Oh, wow. And uh, so the house was sold, and uh, he was just happy that the project was over. And, you know, they were asking him about, you know, what his thoughts was on it, and he's like, look, there's got to be something else out there. I, I, you know, that's what I think. I'm glad that I got faith on my side. And, uh, you know, we're just glad to be out of that place is what he basically So I wonder, if, I wonder if those people, like, when they f- tried to sell it, told whoever the buyers oh, about I'm it. I'm sure they didn't. And according to Puget Sound Regional Archives, the Bundy family bought that home in 1955 uh, when, t- when Ted Bundy was eight, and they sold it in 1965. So he was there from, what, yeah. till about the time he was 18 years yeah. old. Um, they tried to talk to the people that live at the house now, but they couldn't contact them. Oh, really? So it's a pretty cool little story. Yeah, that is. Very cool. All right. With that being said, we are going to remind you that if you want to buy T-shirts, you can go to our website, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. That's also where you can donate uh, and do our new Patreon and like I said, as many people as we can get into it before May f- or June 1st, that's when the first show comes out for the listener episode. So if you can get in before then, they don't take money till the first, but you will get in for that first episode when it gets released. Now we're going to introduce the guys from Not Alone Podcast. This was a fun interview. We actually did it the other night. And uh, when it's all said and done, I think you guys will probably want to check out their show. So let's hear from the guys. Hey everybody, welcome back to Hillbilly Horror Stories, and I've got some special guests on the phone. I've got uh, Sam and Jason from Not Alone Podcast. How are you guys doing today? We're good. Doing well, Jerry. Yeah. How are you? Oh, I can't complain at all, man. I, I'm excited to have you guys on for a couple of reasons. Uh, but first and foremost, you know, I stumbled across you guys on Twitter uh, and, and started talking to, to you, Sam, a little bit. And, you know, I've really become a, a huge fan of your show. Uh, so that was oh, the that was the first reason why I said like I got to have these guys on because you guys are right up my alley as far as what I like in a podcast. Awesome, thank you, Jerry. Yeah, thank That's you. That's great. That's good to know. Good to know people <laughs> actually like it. It's not just our parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I will say this too, and 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 
Some people might take this as an insult. It's really not an insult. But a lot of the paranormal podcasts that I listen to or the uh, unexplained podcasts, because I don't want to lump everything into paranormal, you know, it's not as intelligently laid out as your guys' show. Uh, it's obvious listening to you guys that you're both very well educated and you take an approach of really breaking a subject down almost scientifically at some points. And a lot of shows just don't do that. Uh, and that's what I really like about your show. So it's not to put other shows down or say that they, you know, they're just not as smart or, or, you know, anything of that nature. It's just your show is just really well put together and the way the facts are laid out and the way the discussions are handled. So I appreciate that on a show. Well, thank you. As two uh, as two college dropouts, we thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going back. Yeah, well, I'm sure we both are. One day. Well, I think what's going to happen is is by the time we're through with this interview, I think uh, the listeners out there that haven't heard your podcast will definitely want to come check check you out because I think it's going to come across today much like the way your show does. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of subjects today, so it's not going to be just a straightforward interview. Uh, we're going to get a chance to kind of showcase what you guys do on your show. Um, let's do this first. I'd like to get a little background on you guys. Tell me a little bit about how how you guys know each other and how the show came to be. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, take it, you take it. Okay, first. okay, I can take it away. Uh, so... Sam and I originally met just at work. Uh, so we worked at the same retail location. And uh, I, I don't quite remember how the subject arose, but we, we found out that in our younger days, growing up as kids, we both played uh, a trading card game called Yu-Gi-Oh!, which was pretty big for kind of, I think, uh, our generation yeah, at the time. Uh, and we joked around about eventually dueling each other, playing against one another. Uh, Eventually, that happened at some point in time. I don't remember exactly when that came about, uh, but that was the beginning of, of how we started uh, becoming better friends uh, and really just kind of hanging out. And then eventually, Sam brings up the fact that he wants to run a podcast. Right. Well, and the whole podcast, honestly, it was a joke from the start. Like, I joked to myself, I joked to my wife, I joked to Jason, and then one day... I was just doing it. I had bought a domain. I had bought recording equipment. And so I came back to him. I had said like the week before, hey, man, I'm going to do this this Spooky Stories podcast. Do you want to be be my co-host? Ha ha. And he said, yeah, sure. And then – Because I, I like attention. Yeah. I, like, I just like to talk and have people listen to me. He's, he is. <laughs> uh, and then I came back to him a week later. I said, hey, man, uh, so if you change your mind now that it's a real thing, that's totally fine. But uh, do you, wanna, you still want to do the podcast? He said, yeah. And I, at first I was like, what am I doing? Because I, <laughs> I love Jason. I think he's fantastic. But like I have other friends who I've like sat down and had discussions about paranormal, paranormal stuff with. And they're so passionate just like I am. And Jason and I, all we talk about is, is Magic the Gathering and sometimes Dragon Ball Z and like just a little bit of work. And a little but bit of unbeknownst work, to you, stuff. I watched Ancient Aliens growing up as oh, well. yeah. And that solidified everything. <laughs> that was that was it. But I think that that's really what gave us a good dynamic is the fact that he like he's an intelligent dude and he likes the paranormal, but he hasn't bought into it as much as I have. So like in that respect, I'm the like true believer, true believer who every episode is trying to prove that these things happened. And he's always trying to prove that they didn't happen. I'm so, trying to figure out what kind of science can can lead can to those observations. Yeah. See, that's that's similar to what we do. I mean, when I started the podcast, it was the exact opposite of you guys. I actually went to the one friend that we talked about this stuff all the time and said, hey, this will be a good match. Uh, and then eventually when I switched to Tracy, uh, she likes it, but she wouldn't like consumed by it like I was. I mean, I right. can just sit and watch this stuff, you know, hours on end. And then to her, it'd be like after an hour, it's like, can we watch something else? So, right. yeah. you know, so when, when we when we sit down for the for the conversation, it does turn out more like the dynamic that you have, because I take the lead most of the time. And she's like in disbelief of either what I'm saying or, or come on now. And so, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, I've she she really she really actually <laughs> knows the story. But yeah, she she really knows the story we're talking about. So it's like a surprise to her the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I can dig it. I think it's a good dynamic for anybody to have to have, you know, one person on one side and the other on the other. 
but still be able to agree on certain points. Like we may not yeah, agree find that on middle the conclusions, ground. but like trying to figure out different interpretations. And we usually try to do that. Every episode usually ends with me saying like, it scientifically speaking, what caused this was aliens or ghosts or, you know, in our King Todd episode curses and Jason saying, well, scientifically speaking, it was none of those. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I like to think that I believe a little bit by the end of the episode where it's just uh, odd enough occurrences to where it really makes you think. Yeah. Well, I, I like the fact that you guys are very fact based, and that's we, that's the compliment that we get a lot. Is they mm-hmm. like that we have a lot of facts and we throw a lot of specifics out there, as well as throwing in opinions. And that's the one thing that I notice about your show is you, you guys do the exact same thing. So for people who like our show, they're probably going to really like your show as well. Good, good. Well, I hope so. Well, we're going to give it a shot. So let's do this. <laughs> we All got right. we got a couple of subjects. One of which that I really didn't want to do myself, so it worked out. <laughs> great that i found you guys uh but i've got a listener a great listener by the name of michelle rodriguez she's donated to the show she's bought t-shirts and she's only asked two things for us to continue our video series which we have not and to talk about el chupacabra which right. I, I just don't have the biggest fascination it's there's certain things that i just believe are probably out there and i just don't see a big deal about them now but i will say this and i got this listening to your guys show I've always thinking of El Chupacabra. Every time I see that, I think about one of the shows that are on TV to where they got this mangy-looking dead animal and everybody trying to figure out where it comes from. But, you know, listening to your show, you actually um, talked about – I know Jason specifically since you kind of took the lead on that show. But you talked about specifically the origins and what the real uh, El Chupacabra was. And it was – I think it was in Puerto Rico. Um, Yeah. But that's what I, I wanted to kind of let you touch on that a little bit. We'll make Michelle very happy because we're, we're going to talk about it. But if you can talk about the <laughs> true origins. I can definitely chat about that. So, um, yeah, I just – and I, I think it's pretty strong in, in our episode that I don't believe that a mangy dog is the chupacabra. And um, most – I think uh, the chupacabra becomes the easy scapegoat for a lot of that kind of weird animal or uh, weird mutilations that happen to animals. Um, but what I like to focus on and what I thought was probably the, the most interesting idea behind the Chupacabra was essentially the events that took place uh, for three years in 1995 uh, in Puerto Rico and then also extended into Chile and South America uh, just in general where uh, we have these mass mutilations of cattle, uh, especially sheep. Sheep was the big one which is eventually how Chupacabra got its name, Goat Sucker. Um, But the weirdest thing about it is that you have a lot of dead animals, a lot of dead bodies, weird bite marks on them, a lot of them being two to three holes uh, near necks or chest areas, which is consistent with uh, draining blood. That's where you really want to go for. Um, But the weirdest thing was, yes, they, they were all drained as well. And otherwise, the bodies were left, for the most part, untouched. And those odd mutilations just kept occurring in Puerto Rico to the point where it was a daily occurrence. It wasn't news anymore to hear of X number of creatures being mutilated. Uh, And then we have some really interesting sightings of it, and they go completely contradictory to the sightings that we have in essentially like Texas. Yeah, the southern U.S. and in Mexico where – um, it's an upright creature standing usually somewhere between three to four feet tall, uh, mostly furless, but can have spikes along its back and maybe small patches of fur with large eyes um, and hind legs similar to that of a kangaroo. So that's a kind of a, a really odd sounding creature, while what we hear in uh, the southern U.S. and in Mexico is essentially a, a mangy canine. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, something that has lost its alt spur um, and is still sitting on four legs, but all around, it, it's it's a coyote. Right. <laughs> it, it's a coyote for sure, or some other hybrid of a canine. Um, but the other description was also seen in other locations in South America. Another large population for one was down in Chile. And uh, these creatures were also becoming um, a little bit more comfortable around humans where they weren't just doing the mutilations uh 
kind of near the forest areas, uh, they've actually come back into towns. And there was one mutilation of a uh, actual school llama that was drained of blood as well. Uh, eventually, these sightings just kind of ended around three years later, uh, with some hypotheses being that it was a U.S. government experiment that eventually got caught, uh, or that it was eventually killed. And there have been reports of people saying that they have the skeleton, the chupacabra, but those skeletons mysteriously going somewhere. Vanishing. Vanishing, yeah. Uh, being covered up in some way or another, or, you know, they don't really have the proof to show that that was the actual creature. Um, I personally love the story of the chupacabra uh, because I am, I'm 23. I was born in 93. And the chupacabra was one of the first kind of scary animal stories I had ever heard. And uh, that was kind of what led me to my fascination. Now, I'm sure down south, the chupacabra is much more annoying of an idea or or of of a creature. um, And then one other thing that I do really like about the chupacabra is more of the science behind it. Because we do have animals that do feed on blood. Vampire bats are a big one. uh, But leeches... Um, we also have ticks as well. Um, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that these animals have to gorge on blood, which does coincide with the amount of animal mutilations that we saw in Puerto Rico, which I thought was a really interesting fact. But also, um, what was kind of interesting in vampire bats is that they actually um, pee out most of the blood. They process it so quick through their kidneys that they pee out at least half of uh, of the um of blood consumed so that they can actually fly away and they'll digest the rest of it throughout the night. Uh, that's one thing that I, I never saw reports on was any kind of excrement at all being at the mutilation sites. So there are definitely weird things that happen uh, and, and some things that definitely say, hey, maybe this is a creature that we don't quite know enough about yet or at all. And things that are also weighed into maybe it wasn't a creature. Maybe it was something else. I totally believe that it could possibly be you know, a group of people that wanted to pull some weird prank or do something that was uh, going to pull media headlines. That's also a possibility too. Um, but do you have any specific questions about the Chupacabra or what I thought was interesting about it? No, what, what I got out of that whole thing is you said it fed on a lot of sheep, which is how it's got its name, Goat Sucker. Correct. <laughs> I just it threw me off when you said sheep and goat sucker. So, I mean, down south here, we don't have sheep and goat are two different things. So it threw me yeah. off. Yes, that's <laughs> they are. Yeah. But it was reports of sheep, so I don't know. It, it, I'm it, sure it was, that there were goats as well. Yeah, it was small cattle, small livestock, all the same. Well, and we do know that goats and sheep are not cattle. We do know that. Well, part. I mean, yeah, but I, <laughs> small livestock. There we go. There we go. Smaller livestock. You guys, we haven't touched on this yet. You guys are from are living in Iowa right now, correct? Idaho, 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 Idaho Iowa. It's, <laughs> those, all we do is farm potatoes. That's all we do up here. We hey, we don't know what farm animals. I are. farmed about nine hundred pounds of potatoes today. It was a banner day. Yeah, potatoes. don't don't knock don't knock potatoes. That's uh, you, you guys should be proud of yourself. I can't think of anything else that comes out of Idaho. Um, but <laughs> most people can't. That's okay. <laughs> We had one good band uh, built this bill, but even then, Woo-hoo. I don't. Yeah, that's okay. People outside of Idaho don't know. That's okay. <laughs> Apparently, we have a lot of gems. We are the gem state. We are the gem state. Oh, so there you go. Take that as you will. Apparently, we have crystals and whatnot and rock. If that's something to hang your hat on. Um, <laughs> what about? Um, we're going to tie this in too because you guys did a show on on High Brazil, and. For the listeners who we, – we really didn't touch on this a whole lot. That's why I kind of wanted, uh, Sam, for you to touch on this a little bit. We did the story on, on Rendlesham Forest, and we did mention that uh, Penniston uh, was writing down all these ones and zeros in his book, which was all binary code. And here recently, within the last, I guess, two or three years, he's turned that book over. There's been some some people actually uh, find out that those are actually destinations – uh, on a map on the on the globe, and most of them were just just in general cities and no big deal. But one of those was actually High Brazil, which yeah. was more. Um, well, I'm not going to get into it, explain it, but you can explain what High Brazil is and how that really ties into that story. Yeah. So, and that was always 
the the binary download to to um, Sergeant Jim Penniston was always one of the most fascinating parts of Rendlesham Forest for me. And uh, yeah, it was just recently. I can't even remember that. I can't remember the exact dates of when that happened, but it was, you know, was it the 80s, I think? 70s? When 80s? what? Well, it was, um, well when, it, when the original, yeah. ha- it happened in the early 80s. Uh, actually, yeah. I think it was 1980, but he just released them like in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. So he actually, the way I heard it is that he partnered up with our good friends, Ancient Aliens, and um, <laughs> they they produced a show, and in the production of the show, that's when he was like, I also have this book. I don't really know what it means, um, but you know, maybe you can make something out of it. And that's exactly what they did. They decoded it, um, and it did. It has like how many? It has seven different um, coordinates, uh, longitude and latitude. And yeah, some of them aren't of any consequence. Some of them are, are like stereotypical ancient alien sites like the Great Pyramids or the Nazca Lines. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that it states that this exploration of humanity um, began in a place called High Brazil. And High Brazil is a mythical island off the, the west coast of Ireland in what's known as the Celtic Sea. As far as we can tell, it it makes its appearance in history at least um, in the seven, 7th century AD. That's the first time it was written down and, and part of a book. But of course, the things they were writing down then were oral tradition that had been going on for hundreds of years previous. Um, essentially, what it is is a mythical island um, that has it's bisected by a channel of water, and it's something that appears every seven years for just a day. Sometimes you can see it. Sometimes, like a handful of people, maybe seven or eight, claim to have actually made it there and and set foot on it. But after that day, it becomes enveloped in mist and disappears for another seven years. And a lot of the the stories about it are very mythologically based um you have different accounts of like old irish saints who supposedly in like the 700s went for a voyage and they 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 found this island and um on it there was like gold or silver or they would meet with um different religious apparitions there and i mean that's all well and good but it's not super scientific it's not super like factually based so what we really focused on in the the High Brazil episode was some of the most contemporary contemporary accounts. And one of the most interesting aspects of High Brazil for me is that it actually appeared on maps um, when they were making naval maps, even the maps of the British Navy had High Brazil on it from 1325 up until the 1800s. And it was so well seen, not not well traveled. Like I said, not a lot of people got there. Uh, but it was so well documented as existing that it stayed on the maps for 500 years. When they finally did pull it off, it took a lot of time and a lot of debate because people were saying, like, you can't take High Brazil off the map. I saw High Brazil two years ago. Like, my mom saw High Brazil. Everybody, it's there. Finally, they did remove it. But some of the most intriguing sightings for me, um, there's this one story from about in the era of discovery, which is when... Uh, the Europeans were really going out. They were getting on their ships. They were trying to sail to the New World, you know, Columbus, uh, Cortez, and and the Spanish down in South America and Central America. And during this era, there was one man whose name was Giovanni Cabuto, and he wanted to be the man who once and for all, like, discovered High Brazil and plotted the, the, the path there. And so every year... When he was out exploring for King Henry the the Seventh, um, he would make a little detour, and he'd try to find it every single year. And there had been a few voyages in the years previous um, that had went to find it, but didn't find anything. And then suddenly, one year, he just doesn't make that diversion. He just keeps going. He actually discovers Newfoundland off the the coast of Canada, and it seems at first glance that he's abandoned. The search for High Brazil, but in reality, he actually sends a letter back that's intercepted by a Spanish diplomat and Spanish spy, basically. And in the letter, Cabuto says, like, 
I found it. We found it. We took Earth from it or some sort of, of physical proof, and we brought it back to, to England for King Henry. And that's really the, the most well-documented uh, part of its existence. The other really intriguing story for me is one of – oh, I can't remember what year – but it was near the the end of its time on the maps. I think it was in the late 17th, early 1800s. Oh no, here it is. Uh, it was actually after. Sorry, it was after it was taken off of the maps in 1878. And essentially, there was an entire village um, on the coast of Ireland, just going about their business, having a having a great time. And suddenly, High Brazil appeared just half a mile or so out at sea, and they were so close that they could see it. Like they could see trees on it. They could see, you know, the, the river bisecting it and they could see all sorts of different geological features. And people actually started to row out to it and try to make it, uh, to get there. And suddenly at the same time for the people rowing there in boats as on shore, it disappeared, which is completely separate from your normal sort of a mirage where it either won't get any closer when you get closer to it or it'll disappear as you get closer, but still be seen from a distance. Um, but for it to disappear at exactly the same time for two different groups of people that far separated, that's what really made me say, like, what is going on here? What what could that have possibly been? And then you also look back at, like, the, the mythological records and, and all of that, and even some more contemporary accounts of people actually finding it. And they say, well, I found High Brazil, and there was a magical wizard there who told me that, like, the island was was shrouded from human eyes due to a spell. And another guy said that he went there, he got big chests of gold, and he saw giant black rabbits just hopping around. So it's one of those ones for me that is just so bizarre like it sounds like it is a hundred percent truly and realistically false but there's just enough trace evidence to be like okay what else is going on and it, it was actually it, it wasn't seen from 1878 until just five years ago in 2012 and there was actually a pilot who was flying over the celtic sea and he suddenly finds himself uh enveloped in this this what's known as electronic fog so that's what, you know, people over the Bermuda Triangle report it and their all of their instruments will start freaking out. They're tweaking. They can't tell where they are. And um, this fog envelops him and then it breaks beneath him and he sees like what used to be just straight water for miles and miles. He sees like green land and trees and and forests and all of that. And it's only there for like a minute. And then the fog breaks completely away from him. And sure enough, he's in the middle of the ocean or he's above the middle of the ocean. There's nothing to be seen for miles and miles. So it's just compelling enough to be like, what is actually going on here? You know, it's not just crazy people or folktales. There's something out there. Um, and, you know, what the hell could it be? What I think is fascinating about about this situation is a lot of people will compare the whole Atlantis situation with this but with atlantis disappeared and everybody's been trying to find it ever since where this actually keeps appearing people have seen it and it, it appears and it disappears that seems to be the the main difference because uh both of them supposedly had advanced civilizations on them and yeah. and all that so there's a lot of comparisons but uh, this is just a little unique, and, and and most people have heard of Atlantis. Almost everybody's heard of Atlantis, but most people yeah. haven't heard of this this place. So that's what I found unique that, about it. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how we start out uh, the episode mm -hmm. is is kind of rehashing Atlantis, but then saying you know there is something else. There's something else that makes more sense and has more evidence than Atlantis. Right. But yeah, for whatever reason, well, I think Atlantis probably gets so much publicity because it was Greek. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we. Do you tend to Greek. yeah we we have a love for classic Greek yep very very Greek centric culture well I don't understand what all the confusion is anyway it's right into Bahamas I see commercial for it all the time so right <laughs> oh it's they got a killer water slide man <laughs> <laughs> guys I want to thank you guys for coming on the show and uh, spending a little bit of time with us the show is not alone podcast. Won't you tell uh, the people the best way to get a hold of you guys on social media if they want to send you a message and uh, listen to the show? Yeah, so we're on all you know the big three social media. We're on Twitter. We're at Not Alone Pod. We're on Instagram at Not Alone Podcast, and then Facebook is like Facebook.com/slash Not Alone Pod. 
Um, you can also email us at notalonepodcast at gmail.com. And I will reply to you through any of those channels as soon as you do. Like I'm, I'm always refreshing and, and checking social media. Um, and we are, I, I have not found a podcasting platform yet that we're not on. So like any app you're using, of course, we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Overcast. Apparently now we're on iHeartRadio as well. Um, but really anything you're looking through, we should be there. And if we're not, please let me know. I want to also ask you real quick while I'm thinking about it, how who designed your logo? Was that something you guys came up with or somebody did for you? Because it's, it's a pretty badass logo for real. Isn't it amazing? No. So my, well, my wife, if I can say this really quick, my wife has a blog um, called a spoonful of grace.com. And my, my sister is a graphic designer. She's an amateur, but she has like an Etsy shop where she sells her work and stuff. And so she made a logo for my wife that looked amazing. And so I texted her and I'm like, Hey Tessa, could you, uh, haha, could you make me a logo again? Just joking. Everything about the podcast started out as a joke. And, um, the logo was no exception. I, I joked that to her. She said, sure. I was like, oh, dang. And then I sent her some some other podcast logos that I love. And like, I shit you not, it was 25 minutes later. She replied with that image. So she just came up with it out of nowhere. And it's it's amazing. I love our logo. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty professional. Yeah. All right, guys. Once again, I want to thank you guys for coming on. And, uh, you know, maybe sometime in the future, we'll do some, some more collaboration on some other stories because uh, you guys, like I said, you, you, you touch on some topics that not everybody touches on. Um, like I said, you've got one on King Tut, and then you've got uh, – and we didn't mention this yet. You guys have a Patreon page too. So if people come on and they like it, they can support the show financially and uh, yeah. get some extra shows and, and stuff like that because you guys do some breakdowns, some debriefings, and uh, – and talk about some of the previous. So yeah, we do, we do. But uh, like I said, we'll talk in the future. And and uh, like I said, once again, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank yeah, you, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. And I, I hope it hope Hillbilly Horror Stories continues to have amazing success. So me too, or I'll never be able to quit my job. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what <the> dream. <laughs> All right. So thanks to those guys for coming on. That was uh, that was fun, man. Them guys are a hoot. It was fun. But you can tell from that these guys are super intelligent, so they just take a different approach um, to the to the whole uh, supernatural and stuff than than what we do. So I don't know. Every, everybody's got a different take on stuff, and that's what makes us fun. Is because everybody's got a different sound. And uh, like I said, I hope you like those guys and, and did that. And then, with, like I said, with the "Don't Break the Oath" guys, June 11th. I'm excited about this. We're going to have the girls on from, and that's why we drink. Oh boy! And I've been I've been talking back and forth to Christine on that, and uh, sh- they're excited about it. We're excited about it, and, uh, and you know, it's the, if you guys haven't checked their show out yet, you go check them out. And that's why we drink. You'll you'll love it. They're they're funny as hell, and uh, I'm excited about it. I'm, that's kind of the one I'm most interested to team up with. Yeah, I can't wait for that. They are fun. That will be a fun show. I can guarantee you that. With some cursing, just a tad bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway thank you guys so much like i said all the mothers out there have a happy mother's day be safe out there this weekend happy mother's day guys and cherish your time with your moms mine's not here anymore and i would give anything to just you know give her a big old hug and stuff so just make sure you cherish your time with your moms and just remember to love one another and you all have a great weekend yep same here my mom's been gone for this will be the 11th Mother's Day, I believe. It's the 10th or the 11th. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not something you really ever get used to, especially when this holiday comes up. So just uh, remember the beauty of a show like this is it's always reminds you that if your mother is not physically on this earth, she is still with you in spirit. So yeah. remember that. Thank you, guys. And we uh, we love you guys. And we'll talk to you next week. Love you. Bye.